Hello and welcome back to another service of the Ultra of Noise. My name is Josh and I am joined as always by my fellow music believer, Simon. Simon, my dear friend, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. How are you, Josh? Good. Good. You know, good. it's been a, been a long day. Yep. Down in the sun, played, yep. played some lawn bowls. Yep. Sounds like fun. Yeah. slaving away, so. Oh, you know. I wasn't really enjoying my, myself today and. Yeah, fun, but 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 did you do you get the weekend off? Nope. You got to work all weekend. Oh, I don't work sun, Sunday. Yeah, we got to work Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, we got to close the venue at midnight and deal with potential drunks. Lovely. I mean, I'm hoping that people are still abiding by certain restrictions and they leave. Yes, yeah. I would love that. But that probably won't happen. I'll probably end up having to just tell everyone to piss off. Probably. Which I have no problems doing. Sure. Excuse me while I adjust my mic. Yeah, Simon had the pleasure of. So we both ordered these uh, mic stands off of uh, Amazon and eBay, and mine's been holding up really well. Simon's, on the other hand, after only a couple of episodes, has decided that it doesn't want to work anymore. Yeah, so uh, should be interesting. He's <laughs> he is literally holding it like an actual mic stand. Instead of it being attached to something and, you know, being as so him being able to use his hands in his normal Italian uh, manner. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if you were to gaffer tape a mic to a stick. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much what I've got. So, um, Look, what you could do is you could go out and get um, some of those big uh, alien artworks and just pretend that you're Jonathan Davis. I could do. Be pretty sick. Yeah, but, you know. That's a, that's a lot of effort. <laughs> that's a lot of effort and probably a lot of money. So, uh, maybe just... my stick and gaffer tape is going to work fine as it... long as I stay still and get the adjustment right before we get into it. There we go. Before I think we... I'm right now. Before we get too get too excited, because today we are starting our countdown of the top ten, our top ten uh, albums of the year. Um, hey, it's the end of the year. We survived 2020. Yeah. You know, at least we've got good vision. Somehow. <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. That's that's probably the worst of the year so far. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what we're going to do is we've both got our own top ten list. Um, today we're going to go through uh, ten through six. Yep. Um, and then we'll be back next week with five through one. Um, but I thought we'd start before we get into our list – Talking about a, a little bit about the year in music, mm-hmm. um, obviously there were no live gigs for us to attend from about March onwards. Yeah. Um, so that aspect of our life in music was uh, was very different. Null and void. Yeah. Um, so we really did have to kind of venture out to, you know, using Spotify, using knowledge from other people, recommendation, all the things to try and find new musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just like be aware of the musicians that we love putting out new albums. Yeah. Uh, that Spotify wrapped, 2020 wrapped came out yep. uh, just this week. And apparently I listened to 199 new artists this year. Yeah. So I, I gave I, it a crack. I think I, I think I had about 600 odd artists. Yeah. So I think the joy, uh, like we, 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 we kind of criticize Spotify for a lot of things. Mm. Um, but let's be honest, they do put a lot of music uh, readily available to us. Um, so I think it's been great that, you know, you can click on, you know, one of their week, you know, your daily mix list and it'll be yeah. some stuff that you've never heard of before. But you just kind of go through and you listen. You're just like, you know, some of this is good. Some of it's trash. Yeah. Some of it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the big benefit of Spotify mm-hmm. is the um, – the ease in which you can find new artists and for new artists to get their music out to the world. Yeah. Um, 
I know our band has had random listens from like Latvia and, <laughs> you know, just random places. So, um, yeah, I mean, that is the, I guess, good aspect of Spotify. Yeah. We won't go into Spotify too much. Yeah. I think uh, uh, as a whole this year, I think there's been some pretty good music that's come out. Yeah, there's been a lot. When yeah. we, I kind of started making this list when we started this podcast. Yeah. Figured we would we'd do the episode at the end of the year. Yeah. And then when it came time to to start kind of, you know, whittling it down to 10, I think I had 37 albums yeah, that I considered. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. And I was like pulling my hair out for the last few weeks trying to whittle it down and <laughs> I got there. I don't know if I'm happy with it, but I got there. So See, I wasn't, there's no going back now. I wasn't as bad because, you know, creature of habit. I still listen to a lot of the music that I love and stick to it. Um, so I actually, I probably had maybe 16 albums to work out of. Um, but I think, yeah, doing this podcast actually kind of forced me to check out uh, a lot of new things, which, you know, not a bad thing. Always good to broaden your horizons. Yeah. Um, um, and like I'll be, I'll be thankful if I hadn't actually tried to do this, I probably wouldn't have discovered couple of the things on my list that I absolutely that I absolutely adored this year. Yeah, I mean, I uh, as a musician, I always kind of tried to keep an ear out for new stuff and what was happening. But in 2018 an article came out from Deezer the distribution are they distribution? Yeah, no, they're a music platform. Um anyway, yes, Deezer yeah, music platform, yep. Yeah, they'd done a um a survey which claimed that um, people stop discovering music at around the age of 30. Mm-hmm. And me being a prick, I was like, well, I'm going to prove Deezer wrong and went out of my way to to make sure I was discovering new music. So like I had that a giant corporation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Bastards. Um, so, um, and we are now off of Deezer. <laughs> and so, um, so, yeah, so I had a playlist uh, where I, I would put – new albums in and that would be the playlist I listened to while driving. So instead of falling back on the old classics, I'd I'd throw this on and be driving around not knowing what the hell I'm listening to. Yeah. So um yeah, I've I realized um I mean it's weird because you know that there's so much music out there, mm. but when you start discovering a lot of new stuff, you're like, there is just so much to discover. And I think it's also interesting. Like, I know there's a lot of big musos out there this year that put out some artists. Like you were, were like I'd, I'm fairly certain it's not in either of our lists, but Taylor Swift released her yeah folklore yeah folklore and yeah. the like there are these big musos that put out this stuff. Yeah, it's sometimes fun to find these artists um, that don't have any sort of real following. Like yeah. Some of the stuff I'm looking up, trying to just get a bit of information about certain bands, and I'm just like, yeah, you get nothing. Fuck. Yep, I'm the same with a couple. <laughs> Mind you, I do have one massive pop star in my list, but good. Um, it's not Taylor Swift. <laughs> no, but you're, you're you're not against Taylor Swift though. No, I think I just think she's all right. Doesn't doesn't tickle my taste buds, but I'm not against it. Yeah, I'm not gonna throw tomatoes at our tour bus. How about we th- talk about let's go skew slightly negative for a second. Let's throw tomatoes at one album this year. Is there anything that was a bit of a disappointment for you? Um, uh, I mean, there were bad albums. Like Corey Taylor's album was trash. I forgot about that album. Crash. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't expecting much from it. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but I've always seen since Taylor Taylor, since Corey Taylor, um, kind of became Corey Taylor outside of Slipknot. Um, he's a great dude, but he kind of comes across as like uh, obnoxious, or not obnoxious, like annoying and like. I think obnoxious is the word. Yeah, like just the the guy who always wants to party, even though he's sober now. But like he he's that kind of guy. He kind of feels like he he he's bigger than Slipknot. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's, I think he's a nice dude. I mean, I've yeah. never met him. Just going off of interviews and stuff. So I kind of figured I wouldn't like his solo stuff because I kind of figured it would be a bit, a uh, bit like that. But I mean, it's self-righteous. Yeah, not preachy, but like it, this is about me. Which is okay. Yes, it's a solo act, so you get that. But at the same time, there's a different way to do it. Yeah, I mean, it, like I mean, Paul, it's 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 Corey Taylor, which yeah. is fine. It just means that I might not like Corey Taylor as what as much as what I thought I might have. You like you you like Corey Taylor as part of something, not on his own. Yeah, um, but I mean, uh, that that's I was kind of expecting that like that. Yeah. Um, I did uh, Fiona Apple's. Fetch the bolt cutters, yeah. Uh, which every critic raved about it. No, um, a ninety-eight on Metacritic. Yeah, um, I only know that because I was looking things up today. It's uh, it's all right. It just, it's not your style. It did, no, well, I like Fiona Apple. It just didn't catch me. I was like, oh, the song's all right. Um, so yeah, I probably Fiona Apple. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad album. It's kind of like Taylor Swift. It's just it just didn't do anything for me. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Josh? Um, now, I'm going to say as a whole, Gorilla's Song Machine, Season 1, Strange Times, I didn't like it as an album. Mm-hmm. I loved the concept yep. of what they did of just releasing these periodical singles. But I, there's nothing in it that they, there were like maybe two songs that I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is Gorilla's. Yeah. There's a couple of other ones that I'm just like, this is this is kind of a bit bland. Yeah. This is not what I expect of Gorillas. And Gorillas have done, like obviously they're working with a lot of artists mm. to make this album. But the like the, the previous stuff they've done with like humans and Welcome to the Plastic Beach, where they're bringing in these outside talents to work with them. It sounds better. It sounds gorillasy. Yeah. Whereas this one, it just kind of sounded like a bunch of random shit. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's probably the line you toe when you're releasing singles randomly. Yeah. And there was, some, like I said, there were some really good singles. Like uh, Momentary Bliss is an absolute banger. But then you go on the flip side. You've got a moment where you've got Damon singing with Elton and this rapper called Six Black. Yep. And when it's Elton and... Damon, it's like, wow, two really distinct voices that we know, kind of working well together. And then Six Black comes in with his auto-tuned rap mumble bullshit. And I'm just like, this just takes away from it. If they had, if it had been maybe a different rapper, someone that was maybe a bit more clearer, a bit more fluent, you know, and he might have some other good shit out there. I don't mm. know. Yeah. But it just it didn't fit with the song. It was yeah. too jarring. And I was like, ugh. ugh. Be honest, I haven't listened to much of the the new Gorillas song machine. Um, I, I have heard that Elton John one, and I agree with you, but I don't even know if I've listened to any of the others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So look, with that said, that was disappointing, but there were lots of good albums this year. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk um, a little about each album, um, give a little bit about you know how. Uh, if, if you know if it was well received within the community, what we personally liked about it. Now, this is obviously you know our opinions can be different to other people's. It's just natural human nature. But you know we're going to talk about what we really liked about them. Um, yeah, I think it's better if we say that these are our most liked albums of the year. We're not saying these are the best, and that everyone is going to like these twenty albums. Because yeah. I dare say you're not going to like some of mine and I'm not going to like some of yours. No. But um, these are the ones that probably we keep going back to. It's probably fair to say. Yeah, uh, um, I agree. You know, and uh, we'll discuss if there's a, like we won't, this this isn't a deep dive episode. So we're not going to go into the huge details about each artist. Yeah, they're not um, reviews either. Yeah, we'll just give, give you a little bit, a little bits and pieces about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so who wants to go first? Not fast. What does your one start with? Which one will go with whoever's higher in the alphabet? What does the artist's name start with? E. All right, so mine's D. 
You solve you then. <laughs> All right, let's go. So my number 10 is probably going to surprise everyone because it surprised me and it's Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia. Hmm. Yes. So this is the second album by uh, Albanian English singer. It was released back in March. Um, I didn't really know too much about Dua Lipa, although I'd seen her perform before. She supported Bruno Mars when Bruno Mars last came to Adelaide. Yep. Um, also, it was, I thought she was all right. Like, it was cool. Uh, she didn't have a full band. She had like a, a kind of just a real basic band with backing tracks kind of filling out the rest. Um, I did, however, know uh, the song she does with Calvin Harris, uh, One Kiss. Oh, yep, yep, um, yep. That song I really like because it's just good old house music pretty yep. much, uh, which is me all over. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, you know, she was, she was fine. But um, this album is incredible. Yeah. Uh, as far as pop albums go, it's just amazing. It's part Jamiroquai, part Daft Punk, part 80s, part disco, part 90s house. Um, I've written here... It's full of hand claps, finger snaps, bass slaps, and booty shaking beats, <laughs> uh, which, which explains it pretty well. Yeah. I must, I must give myself a pat on the back for that one. <laughs> uh, um, All Music website describes the album as seventies disco, eighties dance pop, and nineties club jams. Um, it's brilliant because it's a fresh take on all those old sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't sound cheesy. Doesn't sound cliched, even though there's cliches in it, like the double claps and stuff. Um, the production just modernizes it like brilliantly. Um, I first heard uh, the single Don't Start Now, which dropped at the end of the last year. And I remember thinking, oh, that's a pretty good song, and seeing it was Dua Lipa. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm not surprised that she's released a good song. Yep. That was kind of it until. Um, much later in this year, well after March, well after she released it, um, we used to we put YouTube up on the TV for my kids, and there's a YouTube uh, made playlist of pop music, so we put that on so they can dance around and do whatever they want. And Dua Lipa's that song came back on. Um, Don't start now. And I remember sitting down watching it and just being floored the second time. It has the best bass line of the year in the verse. It is the best bass line. You won't find a better bass line this year. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, I better I uh, better check out more yep. pretty much. Um, the other single, Break My Heart, is another banger. Physical is a massive pop sing-along. Levitating is pretty much classic disco. Uh, you can kind of hear it. You can kind of picture it being played at like a roller disco. Um, Pretty Please is a really sexy song. Um, when she sings in the lower register, her voice has this kind of really smoky quality to it. Um, Love Again reminds me of house music of the 90s. Uh, the melody, scented strings over disco beats. It also features a sample of Al Bowley's My Woman. Um, the album's just great. It's just full of bangers. It's unashamedly yep. joyous. Um, I feel like a lot of pop artists present their work like, uh, they're either changing the world or changing music. While this seems to be presented as Dua Lipa just having fun, which gives it like a genuine kind of feeling. And um, it's just a brilliant pop album. It's the best pop album of the year. Right. So that's where, that, that's where it will fall for you then. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's always a good thing when you when you can find an artist that clearly is enjoying what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's she's been nominated for, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something like four Grammys this yeah. year. Um, I think album of the year, pop, vocal, single, something like that. Um, yeah, the critics have rated it highly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you like Jamiroquai and you like Daft Punk, you, you're more than likely going to find something on here that you like pretty much. Sounds good to me. It's just a good old time. <laughs> Which is what you want. You want music that makes you happy. Yeah, because the rest of my list is not happy. So <laughs> Jesus. So well, let's get it out of the way. You know, I suppose that's how 
2020 started off, everything was fine, everything was happy. Yeah, what then do you, shit show. Yeah. <laughs> what do you what do you expect? <laughs> what do you expect in 2020? Right. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll move on to my number 10. Go for it. So mine is East. Uh, I'm doing it. Uh, so this is actually East's East day <laughs> East debut album. Um, she's been around since about 2015. She's this 22 year old South African girl from um, New South Wales. Um, she's some, uh, done some work with Mulrat, uh, Alice Ivy, Jim Elliott. Um, uh, for, I first discovered her. Well, when was it? 2015, 2014, uh, when she had her single called The Alley. She did, 2015, she did uh, Like a Version. She did a mashup of uh, Bittersweet Symphony and Teardrop. Mm. Yeah, so she, she sings Bittersweet Symphony and then moves into Teardrop to finish it off. Yep. And it's beautiful. Um, her styling is indie pop uh, slash electronica. Um, probably a bit more on the indie side, mm-hmm. but it features a lot of that, you know, indie electro, electro music, uh, kind of happy. The key to her is her voice yeah. because she's South African born. She's going to have that South African uh, uh, accent, which is generally, I don't know what it is, but it really suits her singing. It's kind of of a lower registry Um Bit deeper, more soulful, um, but she it, her music is wonderful. Her voice is brilliant. Um, she does use it on on that track, a uh, couple of the tracks on "I'm Doing It." She does use that auto tune vocal modulator thing, just for uh, I guess it's meant to enhance the song. But I feel like she doesn't need to. I feel mm. like maybe that's just her trying something different, which is fine. Yeah, no problems. But I just feel like sometimes she just needs to stand strong with the actual singing. Um, so some of the key tracks off of this album, Flight Path, um, Fresh Out of Love, uh, Fit for Company, there's a bunch of songs that are just, they'll either start off a little bit slow and then build into this kind of like driving beat behind it. Sometimes they'll start off with just this nice piano playing and, you know, uh, East is just singing there, just getting into a, a nice little groove. Um, but then like, Certain points they become like, uh, how would you say? I guess they have like that. You know when you're listening to an indie song and it's built, everything's built up to that certain point and everyone's just kind of like, you can imagine a whole bunch of like hipsters in a bar getting really excited, you know, <laughs> slowly bobbing their head. And yeah. that's that's the vibe that I imagine when I hear certain parts of her music. Yeah. As it's, she's got a whole pub full of hipsters really bobbing their heads. Yeah. So... Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed this album. I, I love that it's her first actual debut album. Yep. Um, probably one of the best things that came out in 2020 as far as like, you know, debuting of anything. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely worth checking out. If you love women with powerful voices, mm-hmm. um, definitely worth checking out. Awesome. So what, what, what was the name of the album? Uh, East, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Which I guess means, you know, she's finally she's doing it. She's finally making her uh, full album instead of just a couple of singles here and there. Go her. Yeah. Awesome. Especially at the age of 22. Someone's doing something good in 2020. Yeah. At least 22. Yeah. So she's like, when she's on like version, she was 17. Jeez. Yeah. She's, Jeez. She, she's, I reckon she's going to be around for a while. I hope oh, so. Yeah. I hope she's going to be around producing good music for a while. Awesome. Awesome to hear. Where, where next, mate? Um, we are actually staying in England mm-hmm. with I Like Trains Compromat. Is the You're thinking of the meme, the song. I like trains. No, I'm thinking, okay. of, that, I'm thinking of that kid that's like, I like turtles. Oh. <laughs> well, funny name. Yep. Not so funny. Um, <laughs> um this was released in August, and I'm not really sure what you'd call the genre of music. It's kind of post rock, post punk, alternative rock yeah. thingy. Um, one thing's for certain: it's definitely a socio-political album, and it's 
It's a narration of the dystopian future we are slipping into. Mm. Um, David Martin says of the band, obviously, um, we didn't set out to write a record about current affairs, but the path we set out on converged drastically with that daily discourse. The album inadvertently became about populist politics across the world. Brexit, Trump, Cambridge Analytica and the covert Russian influence ended up at the centre of it all. So it's quite quite a lot of big themes happening on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't hide away, uh, he doesn't hide the fact that that's what he's singing about. It's no more obvious than on what could be possibly my favourite song of the year. Okay. A song called The Truth. Um, and I'll just read some of the lyrics. The truth is an exercise in patience. The truth is not what we signed up for. The truth is no longer concerned with the facts. The truth is a constant stream of non sequiturs. The truth is an unmade bed. The truth is love works in mysterious ways. I guess we'll never know. The truth is I don't know whether to sink or swim. The truth is a one-way system in an unfamiliar city. The truth is I'm not sure how we got here. The truth is I'm not sure we can never leave. So it's It's a bit bleak. It's a very bleak album. Um, uh, The music matches the themes, um, although... The tempos can kind of be upbeat. The the instrumentation on top of it all is pretty bleak. There's dark synths all over it, random stabs of noise, yep. just feedback everywhere. Um, the vocals can kind of shift from spoken word to kind of like a – he doesn't sound like Nick Cave, but it's got some kind of Nick Cave quality about it. Uh, you could probably throw in uh, – Ian Curtis from Joy Division in there as well. Okay. Kind of it's a very unique voice and it's probably a voice that might put people off. Um, but it, ma- it just matches this whole kind of bleak dystopia, dystopian kind of um, landscape they're creating. Um, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a bit of a hard listen in all honesty. Um not as hard as one of the albums I've got later on in the list, but um, if you're kind of into bands like Daughters, um, even Swans, maybe even if you are into Nick Cave, this is probably up your alley. Because um, Nick, Nick Cave did have some bleak sounding stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think musically this is more... Um, Noisy and more out there than yeah. what like the bad seeds do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, thematically, yeah, they're both pretty bleak. But um, as you'll see, a lot of the albums I've got on this are pretty political and um, are also pretty bleak. But yeah. this is one of the bleakest on, <laughs> on my list. But it's a brilliant album. Um, only discovered them this year. Yeah. Um, it's their fifth album, so I've got a lot of digging to do as well. Back catalog to get through. Yeah, but um, maybe, maybe they started off all right. <laughs> maybe they started off happy. You reckon? Yeah, yeah. They, I they, doubt they, it. They, <laughs> they, they, they were do and then just kind of went downhill. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. It, it's it's an amazing amazing album. Awesome. So that's my number nine. I like trains. Compromat. I like turtles. Um. Right. I'm going to stay in Australia and I'm going to go with Violent Soho. Everything is, everything is A-OK. Uh, so this is the fifth album from these guys. It came out in August. For those of you who don't know who Violent Soho is, um, out of Queensland, Australian alternative rock band. Um, they've been described as like a harder version of like a harder mix of like the Pixies, Mud, uh, Mud Honey, and Nirvana. Really? Yeah, I thought I thought the Nirvana one was a bit interesting to get that pulled in there, but I'm like, okay, all right. People really? oh. hear what they want to hear. Um. Now, whilst I really liked this album, I don't think it's as good as uh, pre- a couple of previous albums of theirs, but it was like one of the best ones I had listened to this year. 
which is kind of weird to say, but yeah, um, they obviously ha- hold a high standard in your. Yeah, so my thing with Violent Soho is is I quite like. I, I I love what they do. I love their sound. I understand that sometimes listening to Australian singers can, especially like Australian rockers or rappers, can the vocals can be a little annoying. Because so especially sometimes if they ham them up a little bit, and I kind of feel like Violent Soho when they're at their best is kind of um, they they have the, they're stuck in this thing where they if they go really hard at it they sound fucking great. If they kind of play like a soft thing they sound really great. But when they're trying to go in between that and trying to play like a not mellow but like you know I guess almost radio like sound. It gets a little bit, eh. <laughs> so like when they're at their best and they're thrashing their guitars, jump around the stage, yeah, awesome. This is great. When they're kind of you know building up to something by just bringing the moment down a bit, they're, they're awesome. Like oh yeah, cool. You guys can really change up. So I think that this one, this one jumps around a little bit, mm-hmm. but there are some absolute bangers on there. Um, uh, Vacation forever. Is really really enjoyable. Um, A OK, the title track, uh, which was like the single that was released first, um, is really really good as well. Um, Slow down, Sonic again, another great song. Um, so yeah, this one's if you like your Australian rock, yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I would also recommend if you haven't listened to anything by Violent Soho. Um, Going back and listening to find it because it's there for me. Hungry Ghost, their album from 2013, mm-hmm. absolute fucking brilliant album. Um, but yeah, definitely worth checking out this album and then going back and discovering their previous catalog because there's some really good stuff out there by them. So that's uh, everything is a okay by Violent Soho. Oh, now mate. Who are we talking about next? Are we are we staying sad? Uh, no, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for my eighth album of the year, I've got loathe. I let it in, and it took everything. Um, loathe. Uh, also from England, they're Liverpoolians from Liverpool. Um, I was somewhat starting to fall out of love with metal in recent years. I've always loved. Loved metal, um, but nothing that was coming out was really grabbing my attention. Kind of felt like uh, it was the same stuff with a different name. Um, it just, yeah, I just wasn't getting into it. And then I saw a review for this band which compared them to Deftones, which obviously piqued my interest a little bit. Um, so... Gave him a crack and I was clearly not disappointed. Um, it is based in metalcore, but they drip in outside influences like uh, shoegaze. There's some electronics in there. Um, and it, it they really do create something new and something exciting for me. They still have, you know, balls to the wall heavy songs like Heavy is the Head That Falls with the Weight of a Thousand Thoughts. That's a Jesus. mouthful. That's a that's a long title, um, which <laughs> which can borderline on black metal, and it's just fucking brutal and brilliant. Um, but for me, what makes this album stand out is are those ambient soundscapes, and that's where also the comparisons to Deftones come in. Um, when he goes to clean vocals, uh, they get all reverby, and the guitars kind of have that kind of glassy sound to them. I really, really like it. Uh, you can tell that they um, listen to a lot of Deftones. Um, open it. <laughs> I'm just trying to very sadly open up a bottle of Pepsi Max. Because I know I'm listening, but I'm also thirsty. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they do sound a, a fair bit like um, Deftones in, in those parts of the songs. But um, yeah, I I hope that they can kind of evolve, evolve all those soundscapes, 
and mm. kind of make them their own. Um, that would be my only critique of the album. But is this the first album? Uh, no, I don't believe so. So I think do you think potentially the they've they've found their sound and they're just yeah? It's from everything I've read. I haven't really dived back into the the older stuff, but from what I've read, it's kind of a new sound and is okay. a new direction for them, um, which everyone's pleased about. Critics like it, but okay. then the critique is also it you is see. a bit deftonesy, um, which, you know, in my books isn't a bad thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard when you've already got, when there's somebody out there with an established sound that you like, you're always going to be compared to them. Mm. I mean, and they don't, like he doesn't sound anything like Chino. So it's, um, you know, you're not going to confuse them with Deftones. No. But they're, they're clearly an influence. But, um, yeah, I'm just happy that there was a metal album that, <laughs> that really grabbed my attention and was new and exciting and pulled me back into the world of metal. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, I'm going to go something very far away from metal. Okie dokie. I'm going to do uh, Sweet Boy Kyle and Chill Bending. Okay. So uh, for those of you who remember from the first episode, I mentioned that I love a uh, producer group called uh, Game Chops uh, who do video game and TV sounding uh, lo-fi chill stuff and some synth waves things. Um Chillbending is a lo-fi tribute to the music of uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, and Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sweet Boy Kyle uses traditional Asian instruments combined with 808s and synths to create the soundscape for Chillbending. Um, this guy's pretty new. Uh, this is his first. This is his debut uh, EP, uh, seven tracks. Um, He's from Nashville and, yeah, it's uh, – I did a little bit of research on him. The only other stuff that I could see that he'd done was uh, some remix works for a band called Our Last Night. So he's pretty new out there doing this sort of stuff um, or at least having it out there for everyone to get a hold of. So for me, two of the hits off this album are Agni Kai and Cora. Now, Agni Kai um, comes from uh, The Last Airbender. It's actually the – History of it is it's a popular and violent way of settling arguments uh, for the Fire Nation. One person challenges another before they face off in a fire-bending battle. Um, it's a, re- a really big part of the storyline for one of the characters. Um, what I love about this song, because Agni Kai's are a bit more, they are violent, they are um, a, a form of battle. This song kind of has a bit more of a... Um, house techno feel to it than just a lo-fi sound to it. It's a bit more intense. Um, the Chinese instruments are used in a awesome, like a starts with, you know, plucking of a string instrument built to this kind of like nice little bass drop, um, which I love um, very much. So uh, the other one is Cora, which is um, uh, Cora was the avatar after the, in the next series. Um, so with that one, there's uh, that song. There's this traditional like Asian music combined with like a bass that gives. Um, if to me, it, it Cora had to go through quite a lot in this series, and so the Asian music is obviously tied back to the show. But now you've got this bass, which is making it more intense, mm-hmm. and I think that doubles to it. The whole track is it's, it's only twenty minutes, but fuck, it's great. Um, you can just pop it on, have it playing, and it's just like there's some really nice, beautiful music. Um, just nice to relax to, have it on in the background while you're doing a few odds and ends around the house. Yeah. Um, I've played it with the kids; they enjoy it. So, is it instrumental? Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah, no singing. Cool. Which is you know fine by me because yeah. I can't sing. So. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh yeah sweet boy Kyle with um. Uh, chill bending. You can also find him under Game Chops on Spotify as well. Lovely. Simon. So, uh, it's funny that you chose Game Chops because I chose another band from our 
our first episode. <laughs> and my number seven album of the year is Zealand Ardor, Wake of a Nation. Uh, this is also an EP as well, funnily yep. enough. Um, I think that this EP takes them to a whole new level. Uh, their first two albums are subtle in their lyrics with the concepts based in slave music, which uh, they incorporate with black metal. This EP is in your face with what it's about. It was written in the wake of George Floyd's death and the ensuing months in America. Uh, Manuel, the the man behind Zilinado, is a Swedish African American, and has his own, you know, battle being in the black metal community as it is. Um, and the way Zilinado came about was because of a racist remark mm-hmm. uh, made to Manuel. Um, so uh, the EP should put him and this band into the higher tiers of metal and it should be, he should become a voice for new generation of black metal bands after this EP. Um, he stated about this album, Wake of a Nation's intent and context should be obvious. I like to revel in ambiguity and in room for interpretation. This is not the case here. These six songs are a knee-jerk reaction to what has happened to my fellow people in the last month. Um, it's probably the most directly poignant anger-inducing chunk of music on my list. <laughs> <laughs> um, the EP opens with a song called Vigil. It's a slow-burning song. Um, off the top of my head, they haven't done anything like this on the previous two albums. Um, it's almost a piano ballad. Um, you know, there's percussion and um, some kind of nice, uh, nice guitar bits going on and choirs, but the vocals are purposefully centre point. The opening lines are, you took all we had away, you're quick to call it sick, but we've been damned to say I can't breathe, it's a cell phone, please don't shoot, I need to get home, I'm on my knees, begging please. Yeah. So... um. Like I said, with I Like Trains, the list doesn't get much happier. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's that's the year we've lived in. Yeah. Um, the EP from there as well doesn't let up. It's a pouring of grief, anger, confusion and change-inducing emotions. Uh, they do still dive into the black metal. Um, they actually do it straight after that, I yep. think, uh, with Tuskegee, Tuskegee, I believe it's pronounced, which is just balls-to-the-wall heavy uh, black metal. It's just such a powerful record uh, in a time when powerful music needs to be made. It'd probably be higher on my list if it was an album. Um, but, um, you know, the way it was written and the circumstances yeah. it was written in, you know, I'm not complaining. No. It's an amazing album. And uh, if you like metal, you should listen to it. Even if you don't really like the uh, the music, just the, the message he puts across is worth listening to it. I think messages this year, this year of um, racist remarks. I think that they, like, they've always been around, but I feel like this year they're coming through. Even people are finding more and more ways of expressing them. Yeah. Um, because it was obviously a lot of fucked up shit that happened this year in regards to that. Yeah. And I feel yeah, the musicians are getting more creative with it. Um, people are listening to it more. Mm. Um, so you know, it's a it's a shame that these things happen, but like it, it does. The messages are slowly getting out there. Yeah. Um, it, it's, yeah. I mean, people are naive to, are probably naive to think that shit like that doesn't happen in Australia, which it most certainly does. Absolutely. Um, we seem to be a lot more conservative than what we, we think we are. We're a lot uh, more concerned about what happens over in America than what would happen to you in our home. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this, and, you know, this correlates to yeah. Australian and to Indigenous Australians. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, even if you take away the message, which is not the point of the EP, but even no, if no, you no. took away the message, it's, it's still it's still a brilliant EP. Um, the so message just takes it to a whole nother level. They complement each other really well. Yeah. So um, that was my seventh album, Zilinado, Wake of a Nation. Awesome. Well, I'm going to move slightly different gear, but I feel like I'm going to be saying that a lot of your 
choices. Uh, my number seven, Childish uh, Gambino, uh, three fifteen twenty. Donald Glover, Mr. Donald Glover. Uh, so this is his fourth studio album, um, which is interesting to think of. Yeah, I was just like four. Yeah, four. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so it was released on March the fifteenth, so three fifteen. Um, uh, it is sometimes actually referred to as Donald Glover Presents. Um, as it was actually put up on a website for 12 hours called donaldgloverpresents.com before being taken down. So it was played continuously for 12 hours and then taken down. He did a lot of really cool, interesting things in the way of like promoting this. Um, they He's been teasing a lot of this new music since about 2018, some of it on tours, including giving away people who purchased tickets, un- exclusive unfinished, unfinished demos um, of certain songs. Um, another song appeared in a Google Pixel, uh, Pixel 3 ad. So, like, he's been kind of teasing this new music for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, it features a lot of uh, collaborations with artists. So he's got Ariana Grande, uh, Kaja Bonnet, uh, 21 Savage and Inc. Um, there's some really... It's interesting to listen to this album in the context of where Childish has come from. Because mm. you listen back to like camp, this is nothing like camp. No, uh, this is not well, it's similar ish to Awaken My Love. Yeah, there's elements of that in it. Yeah, but it's not Awaken My Love. No, this is kind of like childish deciding, do I actually want to do this whole music thing anymore? Um, and him kind of just being a little bit crazy in doing so. Um, some, uh, one reviewer said, yeah, "This is the end result is a challenging, cookie, mysterious, and odd record that feels like it was built out of pieces left over from a collision between Outkast, David Bowie, Sly and the Family Stone, and Prince." Pretty apt. Yeah, which I totally get. I can to- uh, like, I've known I've known that Prince has always been a big influence yeah. for him, and I can totally see the Bowie, uh, the Bowie aspects of it. Mm. Um. The fun thing about uh, a little thing about this album, uh, all the uh, or a lot of the songs later on in the track are labelled about uh, are titled for when they actually appear on the track. So songs are called 42, uh, 4226, 4748. Yeah. And it's just like him being experimental and different, um, trying something different. Uh, so off of this, off of this album, uh, Time, uh, which features Ariana Grande, is awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's my favorite off the album. Like their voices actually like complement each other really, really well, mm. um, which I wouldn't have expected because I'm not a huge Ariana Grande fan. Mm. I mean, her name's fun to say, <laughs> but I'm I'm not like I need more of Grande in my life. Um, but she's she works really well with um, Childish here. Um, and at the end of it, it's got this, uh, like throughout it, it's got this nice little experimental drumming sounds. Just hitting different air, uh, like different beats, different uh, different toms, and it just has a really fun sound to it. Um, 47, uh, 47, 48. Um, it actually is a really funky track. It kind of reminds me of a slower jam version of, of, of California on Awaken My Love. Yep. Um, and if you know, Remember that that one was super funky. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of like a slower jam version of that. Yeah. Um, and then forty two twenty six, which is, I think, also titled "Pretty Magic," "Pretty Summer Magic." There's something about summer again, but again, you, you listen to it; it's a very summery track. Summertime magic. No, summertime no. magic was released prior. Oh yeah, that was a single. That was a single randomly released. Yeah. Um, but this this one's got some uh, another. Like uh, algorithm is another banger off of this uh, this track. Mm-hmm. There's so many. It's interesting to now be at the point where we're going. What is like we're not back in the day. We'd be like, all right, Childish is putting out new music. Cool, I can't wait to hear it. It's just like I wonder what he's actually going to do next. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's gone. If it's now, if if Childish is dead. And it's now just Donald Glover doing things. Yep. 
under his under that name. That's a theory that's been floated out there that you know childish is dead. Um, so I don't know where he goes from this now. But this album is this album is just it's just different. Um, but it's always anytime that you have childish singing, you know it's going to be great. You're always going you're always going to have because he has an amazing voice. Yeah. Underrated singer. Rapper his yeah. rapping is great, but he's an underrated singer. Yeah. Um so I think anytime that you get you can have an album come out in the middle of a pandemic, right at the start of a pandemic. Yeah. And have uh, childish to soothe you. <laughs> I think it's going to be alright. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh Childish Gambino's 31520. Now, all right, so my last um, one for this episode uh, my album number six mm-hmm. is Everything Everything Reanimator. Reanimator is the fifth album by the Mancunian art pop group. Now, I probably don't have too much to say about this album. It was weird because I couldn't figure out why I liked them and I spent so long trying to figure it out. And I was like, well, maybe they don't deserve to be on this list. Maybe I can bump it. <laughs> but I couldn't. Like I felt like it needed to be right here. Yeah. Um, if you want to know what they sound like, if you picture Radiohead and imagine that they wrote everything in a minor key because Radiohead's sad and they're sad boys, everything, everything sounds like Radiohead if it was all in a major key. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying all their songs are in major. They're not. That's just how it sounds. That's yeah. just what they do. Uh, most noticeably, the singer Jonathan Higgs' voice is very similar to Tom York's. They do kind of sit in the same indie alt rock kind of realm, um, but musically, they're you know they they do have similarities, but they they are far enough apart that you, you can tell there's a difference. It's kind of like a gleefully doomy kind of album. It's a bit surreal. Uh, the opener, Lost Minds, has an earworm of a chorus. Higgs repeating the refrain, come on, you've only lost your mind, against like a glittering instrumental. Kind of sets the vibe for the whole record. You're going to get some some doomy lyrics over some happy music. Um it was a monstering is a brilliant song, but it is a lot like Radiohead, like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's you could almost sing another Radiohead song over the top of it. Um, I'm not going to say which one because you can just listen to it. Um, I think the thing that sets him apart from Tom York though is his hooks. Um, Higgs can write an infectious pop hook. I mean Tom York can, but I think the difference is is Higgs. Chooses to do it more often. Um, the album's infectious. Uh, the close is brilliant as well. Violent Sun, it epitomizes it. It's upbeat and it feels like it's continuously transcending and then it just stops. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a weirdly wonderful album. Um, yeah, it, it just, you put it on and you kind of forget about 2020, even though he's singing about how shit 2020 is. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just weird and wonderful. Um, yeah, so my number six album is Everything Everything Reanimator. That, that sounds like something I would enjoy. I think you would. I think you would really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, he, he does sound a lot like Tom York. He sounds like he's melting. Uh, he It's weird because when he goes into the falsetto, yeah. Tom York. Yeah. Like I don't think you could tell <laughs> them apart. It's when um, he sings – Kind of like with his full voice, that he 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 has a more uh, like a a more solid kind of sounding voice, yep. and then his accent kind of shines through as well. Yeah, they're they're brilliant. If you like Radiohead, I would check them out. Sounds good. Um, so to finish this off today with my number six, I'm going to go with Poppy. I disagree. So for those of you who aren't aware of who Poppy is. She is American singer, songwriter, YouTuber, and religious leader. In, in 2017, 
people. Uh, this is so I was obviously researching about it because I loved the album, but we'll get into that. 2017, people were calling her a cult leader because of her online videos. Her daily videos would brush, uh, would could include brushing her hair, eating cotton candy, talking with plants and, and sinister mannequins, uh, applying makeup, crawling, jumping, laying on the floor. Um, there was also another video that I actually watched myself where she's wearing like ski goggles and she's like clearly disturbed by it. And she's just standing there going, eh, eh, and then she looks down and she's got shoes on. She's like, oh, pretty shoes. And then proceeds to walk back going, eh. And I was like, the fuck is this? I thought I had all the weird fucking music going oh, on here. You need to look up Poppy as like <laughs> just as a person, weird as shit. Um, there was also some theories that she was a robot, a member of the Illuminati or a pawn of mind control. <laughs> some MK Ultra stuff happening. Yeah. Um, so she came out, this is her, and this is actually her third album, mm-hmm. um, came out at the start of the year. Uh, I actually heard one of the tracks off of there, uh, and on a wrestling show, okay. um, she performed live at one of the wrestling shows and it was mind blowing. Yep. Um, uh, it was actually pretty well received. It got 70, uh, 72 out of a hundred on Metacritic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something chaotic uh, getting into the music. There's something actually chaotic about her music because it flows there's no real definition to what she is mm-hmm. like she's heavy metal she's electro pop new metal industrial rock yeah i think i've heard a, a single yeah and then I know the name and then her singing is so pleasant and delightful yeah like she should be a pop star with this nice beautiful clean voice she doesn't scream she doesn't do anything crazy she just sings and I don't know who I, – I don't have a comparison for her as a singer. Yep. Um, just because I haven't heard anyone that's kind of that sweet. <laughs> and she is such a sweet person. Okay. Um, despite being, you know, a religious leader. Um, <laughs> but like this, some of the songs, there's, there's your standard ones like Sit, Stay, which is kind of like your industrial metal sound, um, kind of chugging riffs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Sick of the Sun is a, like a really more of a come down song, uh, a lot more mellow, but there's still that rock uh, metal aspect to it. And then there's, I mean, the title track of this, I Disagree, is an absolute fucking banger with that, you know, um, it's a drumming thing where they, you know, where they lift up the hi-hat and hit at the same time, like kind of that jazz groove sound. Yeah. Yeah, they do that for like the chorus yeah. and it's just, you kind of just like find yourself swaying along while she's singing while this like heavy guitarist going. But kind of to sum up all of her music and how frenetic it is, is the first track on the album, which is called Concrete. So it starts with Air Raid Sirens. Yep. Then it, with some haunting vocals, then some guitar, like new metal, like new metal style guitar. Mm-hmm. Then it moves into like almost... J-pop, yeah, with like what you'd find it like on an anime, uh, and then suddenly we're doing this heavy chugging sludge sound, and then we move into the Beatles esque stuff with a harpsichord, <laughs> and then we're back into the new metal, and this is all in the space of like two or so minutes. You're like, <laughs> the fuck is going on? But I'm just like, I I can't stop listening. Yeah, this is so many things happening, and like, and then all of the behind all this is just this lovely going. Da, 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 da. You're like, <laughs> I need, I, I need, I, uh, she's such an interesting person. Yeah. And the music that she makes is actually interesting because it's so different. I wanted to say avant garde, but I feel yeah. like that's not quite the right thing to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, because it, it, when they play kind of not, I don't want to say generic. But when they play like a traditional style, yeah, it's really, really good. Uh huh. But it's just you know, you got to get past harpsichord first <laughs> or J-pop. Um, but yeah, Poppy's, uh, I disagree. Absolute fucking banger. Awesome, awesome. So that's our ten through six. Mm. Do you want to run through your list again? Yep. So my ten through six, um, starting at ten, is East. I'm doing it. Violent Soho, everything is A-OK. Sweet Boy Kyle with Chill Bending, uh, Childish Gambino, 3-15-20, and Poppy, I disagree. Simon? Uh, my number 10 was Dua Lipa, Future Nostalgia. 
Number nine, I like trains compromat. Eight is loathe with I let it in and it took everything. Seven, Zilinador, Wake of a Nation. And my number six was Everything, Everything with Reanimator. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to be back next week mm-hmm. with our top five albums of the year. Yep. Uh, so that'll be exciting. Uh, we would love to hear from you guys to find out what you've thought of, if you've heard of any of these artists. And if you have, God bless you. Um, <laughs> and obviously, what you, your potential, your top. 10 albums are. Yeah. Um, so as always, you can contact us through ultraofnoise at gmail.com. Uh, you can check out Simon's band at facebook.com slash the unset. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch on twitch.tv slash maddogwilesy. Um, and we will be back next week with our final episode of this hellacious year. Um <laughs> with our top five albums and we can't wait to share them all with you. Um, So in the meantime, stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye.